Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Run Through the Jungle episode. I'm your host, Justin Lacey, with my boy Tim Lyons here. How you doing, Tim? Good. How you doing, brother? Nice to have you back. Hey, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate you guys for the wealth, awful wishes and the prayers and stuff. I was going through a little bit of family time. Um, we are missing our main host, Brandon Harriet, today. He's out enjoying his vacation as he's much deservedly needed. So, so you got us two today, Bengals Nation and other NFL fans out there. You know, this is provided to you by the Fan First Sports Network. Please like, comment, subscribe, you know, ding that notification bell so that way you'll know when we go live and we we are alerted. Um, we're everywhere on wherever you get your podcast from, whether if you listen on YouTube, whether if you're on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. So we got a big game today. I'm um, not today. I'm sorry. We got a big game coming up this Sunday. We got a big time matchup with the king of the NFC West. I, well, they're the class of division, the 49ers, man. How you feeling about that? Yeah, it's going to be a tough game. You know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking to see how we come off the bye week. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, historically, I saw that we've done pretty well so far off the bye with the Joe Burrow era. But to be perfectly honest with you, the bye week is about mental preparation. So that way you're not adding new rust of what you've already built in during the season. So they had a lot of work. So it'll be really interesting to see. But here's what I want to take it back to. OK. I want to take it back to a couple years ago. I want to take a little deep dive into the blast into the recent past. And that was our 2021 season when these last two teams met up. Now, for the listeners out there, for those that don't really know the Bengals so much, but still listen to our content, first and foremost, we appreciate you. Number one, that's that's I just want to get that out the way. But I also wanted just to give you a little education on how the Joe Burrow era sort of took off. We already know how it started. He was the number one overall pick, you know, out of LSU. He had the historic college season in 2019 with LSU. Drafted by the Bengals and then hurt his knee, and I believe against the Washington Commanders. Well, at the time they were the football team, and it kind of derailed the rest of his rookie season when we know he was cooking. Mm -hmm. 2021 came up. Now, everybody remembers the 2021 season, the season that we ended up going to the Super Bowl as the classic, the classic game when we played the Kansas City Chiefs at home, that that was the more signature win in the Joe Burrow game. And that's what the national media and the pundits will keep telling you over and over again, that that's the game that kind of propelled Burrow to his ascension of where he is now. Mm -hmm. While that is true, there's another game during that season that showed you that that was going to happen, if that even happened or not. And that game was the San Francisco 49ers during week 14 that very same season. Right. We didn't win the game, but that game told you a lot of what you needed to know about Joe Burrow. Started off ugly. You know, it wasn't because of the offense or anything like that. It was we kept shooting ourselves in the foot, muff punts, muff kickoffs. Uh, the defense tried to keep us in the game. Offense made some plays here and there, dropped passes. We ended up being down 20 to 6. Then the fourth quarter rolled around, and that's when you saw Joe Burrow perform magic like I've never seen it before prior to that. Now, he always shown glimpses and flashes of his potential in weeks past and you know even during shades of it during his rookie season but that San Francisco 49ers game more specifically in the fourth quarter was the moment that I and many Bengals fans saw that we have in a very elite quarterback and we should we should be happy with what we saw even though this game ended in the loss so I'll take you through it in the fourth quarter Joe Burrow made outstanding plays just passes like back and forth 
it was some of the best work that I've seen. And that was a really great 49ers team. That 49ers roster, kind of like how yeah. we're getting ready to go up to this upcoming Sunday, that 49ers roster was just as elite as they are now, even at that point. No, they didn't have Christian McCaffrey, but they did have Raheem Mostert. No, they mm -hmm. didn't have Brock Purdy, but they did have Jimmy Garoppolo playing really well. But Joe Burrow, in spite of all of that and the adversity that he faced in that game, he put the team on his shoulders and threw two fourth-quarter touchdowns to tie the game, descended to overtime. And if it wasn't for a dropped interception at the end of regulation by Jesse Bates, you probably would have seen us win the game in regulation. And when we got the ball in overtime, Burrow raced it down the field and then unfortunately had to settle for a field goal. But that was the, also the growing moment that Zach Taylor should have showed his trust in Joe Burrow because he took the ball out of his hands in that final drive where it was a third and three. Instead of mm -hmm. running the instead of running the ball like we did, we should have just trusted Burrow to go for the kill shot, and we didn't. So unfortunately, on third and three, when we know that we needed to pass on the obvious down in the situation, Nick Bosa gets the sack. It's a fourth and six. We kick the field goal to go up 23 to 20 in overtime. San Francisco gets the ball back. Unfortunately, they race down the field and kick and then go for the game winning touchdown. The game is over. But there were a lot of fans in attendance that day that were from the opposing team, the 49ers. I got a chance to talk with them during that game. And, man, did they tell me they were so scared that Burrow was going to kill them. And they, and they sweated bullets. And I thought to myself, yeah, you guys got away with one. But it overall told me that Joe Burrow is the guy and that he is going to get us to where we need to go. And it was just a matter of time that it was going to showcase itself out through the rest of the world. And that's how you saw what happened against the Chiefs and then in the postseason in the Super Bowl. That's how you saw Joe Burrow to be what he was. So, Tim, let me take it over to you because I just said a lot about this game. I didn't <laughs> and I want to hear your perspective of how you felt after that game. Um, it was a hell of a game. It was one hell of a game. Um, I believe, if I remember correctly, didn't Jimmy G throw for like 300 yards? He was sacked, but he was sacked five times, and I and I believe mm -hmm. Joe Burrow yeah. was sacked five times as well. There was no there was no uh, interceptions by either of us. Um, both quarterbacks were playing lights out football. Um, you know, of course, you know, well, uh, in the first half, you know, we were down. Then Joe Burrow come back in the fourth quarter. You know, it scored two touchdowns for you know through two two touchdowns for us. He didn't have any interceptions that day, but he did have a fumble. If I remember, I think it was a fumble. Um, and then uh, what was his name? Phillips fumbled the ball twice. Darius Phillips, yeah. Yeah, Phillips. he fumbled the ball twice. And then I believe we replaced him with Tyler Boyd. Yeah. I think the next, the next kick. Or, or the next kick, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a hell of a game. I thought we were going to pull it off. Um, you know, it was the first time that uh, Nick Bosa was meeting Joe Burrow um, on, mm -hmm. the, on the professional football field that was since, uh, since college. So, you know, it was kind of a – I think Nick Bosa had two sacks that game as well. So the pressure was, you know, the pressure was on us. And that year, Joe Burrow got sacked. Oh, my gosh. I think it was 25-plus times that year. It was, a, it was a lot. 70 times through the playoffs, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So this year, you know, it's a, it's a totally different offensive line. But we'll go into that later. Um, but, yeah, I thought we were going to win that game. And I agree with you um, on that third down play. We should have went. We should have let Joe. We should have let Joe, you know, do what he was out there to do. Instead, they wanted to run the ball and then kick the field goal. You're playing against Jimmy G. You, you know, the thing is, is you played against Jimmy G. He's he's been 
Tom Brady's backup for many years, and then he yeah. comes over to the 49ers. You you got to either go for the first down or nothing. You know, we would still have been in. The, I, I think that I think that run by Mixon was like was like a three or four yard uh, gain or whatever the hell it was, and then we had to kick the field goal anyways. So yeah, no, you know, definitely. You so, know, and about that, and about Jimmy G. Here's the thing: that was one of his better games that season. And even in, here's also what I remember about that game. George Kittle was frying us up. I remember a glimmer shot catch that he made down the left sideline when mm -hmm. uh, I believe Garoppolo threw it on the. I can't remember exactly on what yard line it was, but I know it was on the left down the left sideline, and just George Kittle just made this miraculous catch. And I was yeah. just thinking to myself, man, how did he make that catch? George Kittle was just a monster that whole entire game, and yeah, he killed us. So. Yeah, he had 151 yards that game against us in a touchdown. Yeah, and uh, I'm not surprised by it. And and to no. and to that point, I took I get why they may have wanted to like trust that the defense was going to hold down the win for us. Like they were thinking that Jimmy G was going to throw that, you know, he was going to go back to his game manager self. But that game, it wasn't happening like that for him. You needed right. to end the game right there with a touchdown. That was was frustrating, but. Kudos to Zach Taylor after that game. You know, he did admit, I believe the very next day, because I believe a reporter asked him, Do you regret? You say you were going to lose sleep over this. Do you, did you, did you end up regretting about how you handled it? And Zach Taylor stood up at the podium and said, I did. I did lose sleep over that. I should never have done that. Um, I basically just screwed up. I should have got let Joe cook. <laughs> you know, the stuff that we always keep saying, we he should have let Joe cook. Right then and there. Yeah. That was not the time to be conservative, and he let him be conservative. Look, I know we're talking a lot about this game, but I promise you, Bengals fans, this is going to tie into our expectations when we break down this upcoming Week 7 matchup against Sanford when we're in their house this time. But this is the game yeah. that I need other Bengals fans, that if they've forgotten, or just casual NFL watchers or listeners or other teams, that they need to know that that was the moment, really, that Joe Burrow was born, that we all know who he is now. Mm -hmm. You know, and I wanted to add to that, you know, Joe Burrow that day threw two touchdowns, 348 yards. Um, he was 25 for 34. Yeah, he was sacked five times, but he still came out there in that fourth quarter and showed what Joe Shiesty was about. You know, exactly. every, everybody always says, oh, you know, the Bengals and Joe Burrow start off slow the last two years. Yeah, you know, we do, but. Joe Shiesty was born that day, I believe. I believe it, too. I really do. And quite frankly, you know, it's no secret of what he's been since, you know, one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, in our opinions and the meanings of many. But I think that people need to understand that he was still dealing with a ton of deficiencies. We didn't have the offensive yeah. line that we do now then. The offensive mm -hmm. line, the best player that we had was Jonah Williams, and everybody else is probably not even in the league anymore, I don't think. I think, what, Fred Johnson, was he even still on that team? It was crazy to think the – um, I'm sorry, Trey Hopkins was still our center. Yeah. He's not even yeah. in the league anymore. No disrespect, no. Trey Hopkins, because I appreciated what he's done and helped, <laughs> but he's not even in the league anymore. That should have already told you what, what we had to overcome that day. Meanwhile, Jimmy Garoppolo had a plethora of guys, offense, defense yeah. – Special teams, they had it all. And it was just yeah. crazy to me to think, like, 
even in that situation with the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, that defense, they were playing some of the great football. Joe mm-hmm. Burrow still overcame all of that and almost pulled it out. So, yeah, like I said, I had to just to revisit that for our fans and our listeners because it is that it is that time that we are seeing this game, this team since then. But it's the stakes are a little bit different. They're still high stakes, but it's a little bit of a different story this time. So we'll roll right into some news real quick before we go into our uh, breakdown of our week seven matchup. But the news that is shocking everybody today, Tim. Brock Purdy, man, he's in concussion protocol. How you feel about that? You know, I got that text message from Chase. It was like, Purdy's in uh, uh, concussion protocol. And I was like, what? No, no way. I was like, are you kidding me? And I didn't I didn't see it yet. You know, I was actually sitting there working. And then I seen the push come across. I was like, oh, no. And uh, they said that uh, Purdy was having symptoms after the game on the flight home. Now it's like, who are we playing against? Are we playing against? Is Purdy gonna, you know, clear uh, excuse me, clear the protocol, or are we gonna face Sam Darnold? Yeah, so it's sounding like that we're gonna face Sam Darnold with that because I don't think anybody. If you're this late in the week, midweek now, and you've entered concussion protocol, chances yeah. are you're out. You know, I think another report did state that Sam Darnold was probably going to be in line to start in this upcoming matchup. Mm-hmm. Be perfectly honest with you. I don't give a damn about that. I wish Brock Purdy well. He's been very good since he came in the league as the last pick in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, that became relevant. Finally, something a storyline like that has met, surfaced mm-hmm. itself in the league history. But to be perfectly honest, this is this shouldn't be about like, oh, well, Brock Purdy is hurt. We got a chance. Dude, the Bengals should have to look at themselves as we got a chance no matter who is out there, to be honest with you. Like yeah. I said before, and this the 49ers in that week, that week 14 game two years ago when they were playing some of their best ball, they got away with one. This time around, the Bengals need to be looking at themselves like we should be the big dogs, even though they are the big dogs in the NFC. So I I do feel for Brock Purdy, man. It sucks. I think I know what play that he suffered that concussion on, and it was that quarterback sneak where he got rocked. I think that was probably the play when that happened. Man, but like you just gotta wish him well. He's playing some great football. I understand he lost the last two games. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be fine. I think they give him some time to rest. He'll get back to being their, you know, playing great football, their dominant self. But the 49ers are battling a little bit of adversity now. So that's yeah. what I see so far. Yeah, and you know, Debo's out. Um, I think Trent Trent Williams isn't gonna be playing, but I don't know. You know, I know he's he's shown on the did not practice list still. Um Christian McCaffrey's, he was a full practice, but it was an oblique injury. Um, so is Christian McCaffrey kind of getting used too much again? Is it this Carolina thing over again? I don't know. That's my concern. But anyways, um, you know, and it's kind of concerning to me, though, is, is that Brock Purdy experienced these symptoms after the game on the flight home. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of because it, for me, it would, as a coach and – you know, as a player, that would be concerning to me. Something that's happening yeah. after the game, or he was experiencing the problems, but he was covering it up through the game. But like you said, he did get rocked on that on that one QB sneak, and I know he was only sacked. Did, did he only get sacked once against Minnesota? Yeah, you know what? That's crazy because I don't recall ever seeing him get a sack. I think he may have been sacked once, but I don't recall a lot of pressures. I mean, I recall a lot of pressures, but I don't remember really think- anybody getting home on both sides of the ball. 
I think Hunter, I think Hunter got home on one play. So, but I don't believe it was on, you know, he got injured, but you might be right. He might've got rocked on that because he got hit pretty hard when he went, yeah, went in for that. He did. Kick. Yeah. I believe so. somebody did like an aerial shot of the, the play, the quarterback sneak, because mm-hmm. what's so, because look, let's just also talk about this. Everybody loved the tush push. The Eagles calling it the the brotherly shove. I like that name better. The tush push just sounds stupid in my opinion. Ban it. But if they're gonna Ban call it, it they're gonna call it that. But the brotherly <laughs> shove is my favorite name because it's being patented by the Philadelphia Eagles. The city is named the nickname of brother the city of brotherly love. The brotherly yeah. shove is a great name for it. Just stick with that, honestly. A lot I'm of teams are trying to re it. I am too, but it's fun to see it. It's just so fun to see it always work for the Eagles, but it can't work for anybody else. And the 49ers, they got the personnel to make it work. Yep. The whole thing, yeah. they got a great old line. They got they a do. great running back. But and, it just, and you know the thing is, is the thing is, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but the thing no, is, no, is good, I know good. the the Vikings tried the tush push and Fred Werner and the 49ers stopped them. You know, it's Kirk, it's Kirk Cousins, you know, he's been in the league for a little bit. Come on, you know, but I'm so tired. I'm so tired of the tush push. I would, Brandon and I were talking last year that we were hoping that it was going to get banned because you don't need some, you don't need a 300 pound (laughs) defensive end or offensive lineman pushing his butt through the field. You know, that's not old school football. Old school football was handing the ball off to Christian Okoya or Mike Allstott you know, at the one yard line yeah. and letting them yeah. get their damn touchdowns. Not, oh, well, you know what? Yeah, Jalen Hurts has made it famous because he's so successful so successful on it. But when you have literally a ton, a, a, a ton of people, like literally weight in tons, pushing, mm-hmm. pushing him over the damn, uh, you know, the first down marker or even the goal line, that's cheating, man. I ban that shit. <laughs> Excuse my French. <laughs> See, I'm on the other side of it, man. Look, whatever helps you win games, just as long as as long as it's helping you win the game, I'm all for it in that sense. As long as it's, it's legal, look, I understand what you're saying though. It's just like, come on, man, actually make Dallas some real plays instead of trying to do it the cheap yeah. way. But however, I will say this: if Cincinnati patented that bad boy, we wouldn't be complaining about it. You know, I'm just being honest here. We would have started doing truth. that. That's the truth. <laughs> we we will be making a bunch truth. of excuses, and I think right. that for that for for the for the brotherly shove play, the prop mm-hmm. the stars align perfectly for the Eagles to make it work. They have the best O line with the best center in football, and Jason Kelsey, yep. Jalen Hurst is strong from the waist down. Like he has mm-hmm. quads like Saquon Barkley at quarterback. He squats. Yep. I believe they said he squats over six hundred pounds. Dude is strongest. He's super strong, and. Yep. The, the rest of the guys just kind of just corral in and then use their strength to overmatch anybody else's defensive line. So it's really it's almost darn near impossible for it to stop them while they're doing it. But when other teams try to emulate it as a copycat league, so to speak, it doesn't yeah. work the same way. But I say all of that because I believe the 49ers wanted to try an iteration of the brotherly shove, the tush push, whatever. And I think that's what it got Brock Purdy hurt in the concussed. And they're also coming off of a short week, too. And, yeah. you know, they played on Monday night. They were on the road in Minnesota. I thought that they were going to pull the win out. Uh, if people follow me on Twitter or X, so to speak, I was mm-hmm. making a couple of tweets about the game that I was telling myself, even when the 49ers got down early, something still tells me that this this, this Niners team is going to come back and win this game. And 
I thought that they almost pulled it out. But credit the credit the Vikings, man. They pulled out that win and they got that they, they got strong on defense to say, like, uh-uh, this means more to us than it does for you guys. You guys are not going to be the get right game. Well, or sir, we're not going to be the get right game for you. Right. You know, only yeah. one thing I got to say before we go to commercial break is I want to see the Tush Push band and I want to see Taylor Swift band. That's all I got to say. I will agree on one of those, and that's the Taylor <laughs> Swift. That's that is getting on my last nerve. I'm just tired of it, you know. But I gotta stop. I gotta stop letting that get to me because they're just going to keep force feeding Chiefs games. And look, I'm, we're not even going to talk about it. <laughs> but yeah. but yes. We are going to go to a quick commercial break, and then when we get back, we are going to do a little bit of breakdown on this game. Actually, not a little bit. We're going to break down this game, okay? Mm -hmm. Again, like we said, it's a tough Week 7 matchup, no secret, but we'll get into some of the X's and all the specifics, the keys of the game when we return right here in a few seconds. And we're back. So thank you so much for rocking with us so far. Again, I'm Justin Lacey with Tim Lyons. Um, as you've already heard, we have discussed the last time the Bengals and 49ers met two years ago. And we also talked a lot about the tush push, the brotherly yeah. shove. <laughs> we have difference in the various opinion about if this should be banned or not. Tim, I know you on the that you're saying that it should be banned. Me. I'm just not there with everybody yet, but I think that after a few more games and just seeing how it can basically cheat you to a cheap win, maybe I might be on board with that. But I'm of the belief that it is what it is at this point. It, look, if you don't like it, stop it. That's how I'm. That's how I am right now. It's only working for one team, and I feel like that at some point that magic of the touch push or the brotherly shove is going to run out at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. But and we're also going to leave the Taylor Swift comments aside because i know that that's <laughs> going to come at some point <laughs> but we got to talk about this game now it's week seven does this feel like this game is a do or die for you tim absolutely absolutely i, I you know this game is it's important it, this is a statement this is a statement no not just a statement game but you know it's important it's a very important game for us you know we're three and three right now you know, if we end up like Brandon and I said in our past uh, recordings was, you know, if we finish off eight and three um, for the season, you know, for the rest of the season, you know, that puts us at 11 and six um, possibility we could make the playoffs still um, every win until week 18, you know, through week, week 18 is important. It's very important for us. What is your opinion on Christian McCaffrey? I'm sorry, Christian McCaffrey. To me, this kid is this dude is playing like an MVP level type of stats. Like I think he's going to probably be in the running for either Offensive Player of the Year, MVP is like a quarterback stat award, but he should be in conversations of it. But Offensive Player of the Year, I feel like it feels like that's a safe landing zone maybe for him. He might have to battle Tyreek Hill. But what is your opinion on Christian McCaffrey? I feel like that the offense flows through him. I love Chris McCaffrey. I've watched him since he was with the Panthers. Um, I even watched him a little bit in college. Um, CMC, he's amazing. He he is amazing. He is as long as he stays healthy is what I is what I'm going to say is as long as he stays healthy, I think he should win MVP. He has done so much for the 49ers and for football and for running backs this year. If if he don't get MVP, 
it's rigged and everybody's going to do the follow the leader and give it to the quarterbacks like they always do. You know, believe it or not, if you look back at, you know, the early parts of the season, quarterbacks haven't been really, really performing very well this year. You know, yeah, Lamar just went out and threw for 300 and some yards, blah, blah, blah. Patrick Mahomes had a good, had a good week, but it hasn't been, you know, they're out there throwing for 300, 400 yards, five touchdowns every single game. I believe CMC should be the MVP. If he keeps it up, if he keeps up doing what he's doing, minus against the Bengals, and keeps doing, you know, he he's leading the league in rushing. You know, I want I don't I don't know what his stat is in receiving, but I'm sure it's pretty damn good for a running back mm-hmm. because it always has been. He's always killing everybody's fantasy teams. You know, he's always killing you, right. you know, you have him on a fantasy team for the last, you know, four, four or five years that you've, you know, that he's been in the league, he kills everybody. He, 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 he's top points in fantasy football as long as he's healthy. Um, yeah. You know, and you know me, I love the run game. To see CMC out there doing what he's doing, it's amazing. It is. It is amazing. He doesn't matter who he's playing against. You know, if, I know this year they've played the Rams. They, they beat the hell out of the Steelers, and CMC lit it up. I'm hoping, you know, he keeps that up after the Bengals game and, you know, makes his run, makes his run for MVP. I would love to say, I can't remember who the last MVP was that was a running back. You know, that's something I didn't, you know. Adrian Peterson, I believe, in 2012. Okay, so AP was the last one to get uh, MVP for running backs. I'd love to see that happen again. I I think, like I said, I know I'm rambling on, but CMC definitely, I think he deserves the uh, MVP. And, of course, he deserves Offensive Player of the Year. Well, I'll make a couple of comments about MVP and Offensive Player of the Year, and then I'll touch on everything that you said about McCaffrey. So mm-hmm. MVP is nicknamed the Quarterback Stat Award, and I absolutely agree with you. I feel like that you don't really get a chance to measure the true value of what players bring to the team and why that MVP award exists. It shouldn't just be a Quarterback Stat Award only. Last year, it went to Patrick Mahomes. But to be perfectly honest with you, I was actually okay with it because he did elevate that team after losing Tyreek Hill and stuff like that. Everybody said that the Chiefs weren't going to really be what they was before. Hold on, Mm -hmm. I'm going to call for a second. Sorry, listeners, I had to put myself on mute while I did that quick call. So I agreed with that. But to your point, the the previous two years, let's stick with 2021. In my eyes, Joe Burrow should have won MVP. It ended up going to Aaron Rodgers because he had the best regular season numbers. But Joe Burrow had propelled his team and willed his team to the Super Bowl. And it started midway through the the later part of that regular season that year. And he even has the numbers to back it up coming off of a torn ACL. Now, he did win comeback player of the year. But at the end of the day, it's, it's it's just a tough thing to go against when it comes to quarterbacks and their numbers. But I will also say this, this probably is the perfect year where we do see someone challenge the MVP award that's not a quarterback. You mentioned Christian McCaffrey should have been included and in, should be in that discussion. I agree. However, he's got to go against the likes of Tyreek Hill, who also is very valuable for the Miami Dolphins. If he's not right. on that field, I don't know if Tua's putting up those same numbers that he's putting up. So this is really the perfect year that we can really see true players fight for this award. And mm-hmm. offensive player of the year just comes with the offensive numbers and all that stuff. Justin Jefferson won it last year. 
we might see Tour or Tyreek or C-Max, CMC win it this year when it comes to offensive player of the year. Regardless, CMC needs to be recognized. Now, yeah. I will touch based on what you stated about CMC if he stays healthy. I'll just call it like I said. If he doesn't get hurt in the Browns game, they win that game. He was mm-hmm. the most valuable piece that was missing from that field after right. he got hurt in the first quarter. However, I'm not going to make any excuses for the 49ers because Cleveland was playing with a third-string quarterback in P.J. Walker. They also yep. don't have Nick Chubb, and they won that game. They It took a missed field goal to happen, but they still won yeah. that game. And part of me was like, damn, I wish that the 49ers <laughs> would have won that game and also the Vikings so that way the Bengals can be the team to give them the first L. But mm-hmm. you know what? It is, we're here now, so – I think the world of CMC as well, too. And I think that he is very valuable for that team. Now, let me ask you this question. We've already talked about what George Kittle did to us two years ago. Yeah. How do you see it shaking out this time around? Well, we have a different uh, secondary group this year. Like we always discuss is I believe that our secondary group's an upgrade from last year. Um, Yeah, we had Hilton. We have... uh, Gosh, Cheeto. Sorry, I, I went blank on his name for some reason. You know, we have Cheeto, but we also have Dax Hill, uh, CTB, DJ Turner. You know, if we protect the middle of the field, I think we'll be okay. I think I think he'll he might get you know seventy yards receiving against us. Um, the way our defense has been playing, as long as it depending on who we're playing against, and, I, and you know what, I'm not even gonna say that. Even if even if Purdy is on the field or Sam Sam Darnold is out out there, I don't care who it is. I think we're gonna put enough pressure on him to not give him en- enough time to make decisions on who he's throwing the football. He's gonna be trying to look at this first looks. First looks gonna be George Kittle, of course, because Debo Sanders or Samuel's not out there. You know, uh, Brandon Ayuk is going to be out there, of course. Um, but, you know, George Kittle's George Kittle. George Kittle's one of the top tight ends in the game. I don't care what anybody says. George, I love George Kittle. You know, I know he's a 49er, but I love George Kittle. Mm-hmm. To see him in, in, in orange and black, that'd be a dream of mine, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> but it, it could. We, it could one day down the yeah, road. If, if we play it right and protect the middle of the field, the seams, George Kittle could end up not having 151 yards and touchdown on Sunday. That's all I can say. No, George Kittle is the best tight end in football to me. Okay. I understand Travis Kelsey now has two championship rings. I do. Brandon and I were on the show when we were doing a preview before the season and we were going through our fantasy tight ends. And then part of it was ranking our top five tight ends. Couple, Some of it was fantasy related, but most of them was just ranking related. Both yeah. him and I, I believe we agreed that George Kittle was number one. Again, it was a very thin line. The top three are George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews. Those, are the, those are the best three. If mm-hmm. you really think about it from an athletic standpoint, George Kittle is better than both of those guys, even though I really like both, all three. And he can fry you up at any given minute. The thing, the one great thing about George Kittle is that he don't mind playing his role. And if it's if it shows that his team is successful because CMC has the ball, he will get in there and start blocking guys and pancaking guys. He don't care yeah. if it shows that the best way for the team to win is for him to get the ball 10 times. 
as a receiver tight end, he will do it. He will do the dirty work, the stuff that we always dreamed of having at the tight end position. That's George Kittle. He's one of yeah. our favorite players to watch in this league, man. And I can see yeah. him having a big day against us again. However, I'm not going to go that route. The guy that I think is going to probably have that kind of game is Brandon Ayuk. The dude just reminds me of Anquan Bolden and Torrey Smith combined. You know, I watched them both with the Ravens, and I just feel like Brandon Ayuk is very much that. He has this change of direction speed when he's running his routes. It, mm-hmm. it feels reminiscent of what Anquan Bolden was, and then he just has, like, the quick foot speed of Torrey Smith when it was always those deep shots that Joe Flacco in his prime threw to Torrey Smith for those long ball touchdowns. I feel like Brandon Ayuk is that great sideline to sideline kind of receiver for that, what their Kyle Shanahan is running for that offense. And if you don't put a, put the brakes on him, he can get that offense going too. Nobody just don't talk about it because Debo Samuel is the guy that gets all the attention. He gets the highlights. He gets the, he gets the Hollywood sign because he's one of the big name big name guys in that offense and on that team more specifically as well too so i I think this 49ers team even with the guys that they're going to be missing going into this game they don't have any holes in my opinion i get it man brock purdy is is in concussion protocol most likely he is going to be out but if i'm the Bengals, i'm looking at this game with man regardless of brock purdy's in there or not man you're going to have a tall order on your hand and the Bengals haven't done well when the, the, the other opponent has deficiencies Go back right. to week two when we lost to the Ravens, man. Like the Ravens were missing three linemen, their starting cornerback and their starting safety, and yet they still beat us in mm-hmm. our house. Yep. I, that's unacceptable to me. So they got to show that they can take advantage of these things because the opportunity is right there for you. If you don't, the 49ers are just easily equipped. And Sam Darnold, he's been looking and itching his way back on the field. He can light you up if – Kyle Shanahan calls a perfect game for him. Now, I don't believe in Sam Darnold as a quarterback, so don't get that twisted. But I do think that he can also kind of have like an out-of-body experience if you let him, just like Kirk Cousins did this past Monday night. Because I don't think that Kirk Cousins, a game like that is going to really happen that many times for him again moving forward this season. But it happened for him that Monday night, and it could happen. They're going to be at home. They're a different team at home. They have elite stars on all three levels of that defense. When you think mm-hmm. of their defensive line, you obviously think Nick Bosa. You forget about Javon Hargrave and Randy yep. Gregory, who they traded for. When it comes to the linebacking court, we already know about Fred Warner. He's the best mm-hmm. linebacker in football. Sideline to sideline, ragey cover speed. He's the one that's getting in on the tackles and the hits and the sacks. But you forget about Drake Greenlaw, too. And then in the secondary. Now, the secondary people will think that that's probably the weakness, but I don't think that at all. I think that their strength is through Talawanda Ufunga, the safety, and then everybody sort of just in the back end of the defense just gravitates around that energy and then the rest of the energy on the other three levels of the defense, and they just, just they just become an elite unit altogether. So, mm-hmm. to me, they have no holes on this team. Yeah, you could probably pick at quarterback, but it's a team that you're going to be staring at the face that they're going to try to want to get themselves right after losing two straight. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be in for a treat, man. It's it's not going to be easy for you regardless. So, But you as the Bengals fans, because I know there's Bengals fans out there that's playing scared right now about, oh, I don't yep. want to play them off two straight wins. Tim, I'm going to let you talk more on in this one because I want to hear your perspective of it. But I need you to tell these fans really to stop crying about, oh, you want it easy. You wanted them to come off of a win so that way we can let them down. Dude, this is the NFL. 
you you can't be expecting that. And quite frankly, you want to embrace the tough role. But Tim, I've been talking a lot. I need you to take away for that part. <laughs> so from everything what I'm seeing online and everything, you know, a lot of a lot of Bengals fans are, you know, they're playing scared. Oh, you know, you don't want to be playing the 49ers coming off of two losses, or you don't want to play the 49ers coming off of, you know, six wins. It's it, damn if we do, damn if we don't. We're going to be the underdog. You know, they're they're everybody's looking at us as the underdog because we're the Bengals. We're three and three. We're playing against you know the 49ers. 49ers have been hot. You know now they're you know they lost the two games. Yeah, they're angry. We get it. But I think the Bengals are a little bit more angry because we are three and three. We have a team that everybody has this you know expectation. Of the Cincinnati Bengals. We all have it. We know what we have. We know what they can do. We've seen what the defense did last week, or I'm sorry, the week before, because we were on a bye week, but we've seen what they can do. That's that top 10 defense that's showing back up in the league. Now, coming off the bye week, we got T. Higgins. Hopefully, he's ready to go, ready to play ball. Um, I know. Um, Orlando Brown's battling, growing, you know, he's limited practice. Hopefully he's back. Cheeto, Cheeto's injury, you know, was dealing with back injuries. We know what we have, you know, offensive wise. We got probably the best quarterback in the NFL, Joe Shiesty. We do. I don't care. Yeah, he's, he's playing a little bit, you know, he's playing bad this year. We get that. We get that. But don't give up on the Cincinnati Bengals just because, oh, we're playing against the 49ers. It's the NFL, just like Justin said. It's the NFL. Look what the Browns did a couple weeks ago against the 49ers. Look what the Vikings did on Monday Night Football. They were 2-4. and four. Nobody was in. Uh, Justin Jefferson's hurt, so it's not like he's out there throwing, you know, catching footballs thrown by Cousins, you know. So did anybody expect the Vikings to win? No. And then a couple weeks before that, the Jets beat the uh, the the Eagles. Nobody thought that that was going to happen. The Jets were sitting there with a wounded duck as a quarterback, pretty much, you know. But they came out there, they played ball. It's the NFL, the professional athletes. I'm so tired of hearing these Bengals fans pissing and moaning and just talking crap about the Bengals. It's embarrassing. It's like you know, are you a fan or are you not a fan? If you're not a fan, there's the door. You can go root for the Steelers or some other team. You know, that's my opinion. Um, I do have some things that I want to say, though, is like like one thing that we always say is buy your stocks low. Like, you know, one thing Brand always says, buy your stocks low and expect the best to come out of it. I'm rooting for my Bengals. I'm going to sit here and watch them every Sunday, Monday, Thursday night. Root them on. All we can do is, I know Brandon doesn't like this saying, but all we can do is hope for the best. And what we have in our locker room, we have probably one of the best teams, one of the best trios in football right now. They're not playing like it. They're, they're going to turn it around. You know, and right now we're at the 40-minute mark of this episode, and thank you so much, listeners, for for just bearing with us because this has been a fun episode. Um to touch, to touch base with you in regards to the, the feelings of the fan base, 
I think that most of our fans are just expecting that they want to see the easy road surface itself again through a tough road. I think that's where they are. It's not that someone's that they're bailing out on their fandom, but I'm just to the point where it's like you can't be expecting anything easy moving forward. We dug ourselves in this hole. We right. lost those three games. The Tennessee Titans game still makes me mad to this day. And I know we're weeks removed from that, but yeah. that's the game that I feel like that you should never have lost that game. You can talk about the other two games starting off 0-2 against your division foes, whatever. But that Titans game, you should not have lost. But this is also the calling card of what you just illustrated. Yes, the 49ers are pissed off. They lost two in a row. But if I'm being honest, they haven't really feel like they haven't really hit that adversity wall yet. And I think that they do hit that adversity wall now. And that after this game, they're going to feel like that their back's against the wall. They're still going to be fine. They're still a Super Bowl contending team in the NFC. I do not mm -hmm. believe that they're not going to be out of it or desperate. I just don't feel like that that desperation mode has kicked in for this team, that they they understand, like, look, man, we got to go out there, play the game against Cincinnati, but at the end of the day, we know we will be getting this. Team. I think that's the mindset of what the 49ers are looking at right now. They're still the big dogs of that division. I don't really see anybody really challenging them. Maybe Seattle, because they can tie it. The Bengals beat the 49ers and the Seahawks beat the Browns this Sunday, which I think could happen. But do you really think that the 49ers are going to give up their space in their position as first place in the NFC West? I don't think so. No. But the Bengals no. need to come out there and show that they're more angry because what did I bring up at the beginning of this episode? The 49ers, last time we played that team, they got away with one. You yeah. can't let them get away with one this time. At this point for Zach Taylor, you lost twice to this team. People forget his rookie, his first year as a head coach for the Bengals in 2019. Boy, the 49ers played us in week two and throttled us 41 to 17. I remember that game like crazy. And I was just sick. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I could I gave a lot of credit to the 49ers because I knew that team was going to be great that year. But man, did I was like, man, that was ugly. Last time we played them, that should have been a win. But it wasn't. Can't make no excuses now moving forward. This time, even if it is on the road, you got to have the mental toughness part of it, especially as a fan. You can't be you can't be walking scared and hoping that your division foes lose and we win. The league is not kind. We saw that during the bye week. All AFC North foes won. won. They won. Yeah. I couldn't believe it either. I was like, oh, wow, okay. But that should just show you nothing is handed to you in this game. You got to mm -hmm. go out there and earn it. And expecting breaks – all the time, it's not going to cut it in my mind, or you got to elevate that mindset. That mindset. This is not the Andy Dalton, Carson Palmer years anymore. This is the right. Joe Burrow years. He embraces the tough road. He's already illustrated that to you last year, but he also said that to you in his press conferences this year. You got to battle through some adversity. It makes you tougher, you know? Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that the 49ers are going to hit that tough adversity wall. As I mentioned, this team is great. They got no holes in my eyes, personally. Again, I understand that they're going through the hiccup with Brock Purdy at quarterback, but I think that that team will be fine. They just got to get themselves right. And we'll probably, like Jim Nance did say on the, uh, with Dan Horde, this could be a preview for what we could see in February. Who knows? Again, I'm yeah. not going to predict that right now. I'm not jumping ahead of the game because right now we just got to focus on winning this week. So with all that being said, I know you and I, Tim, we talked a lot. And this, like I said, this has been a great episode and fans for listening. Thank you so much for uh, for for having a good time with us. And because this has been awesome. I need to know. 
Number one, how do you see this game shaking out with the score predictions? And two, we got to give game ball predictions because we know that's a tradition that we do when we're on the run through the jungle episode. So I want to I want to say I want to say my keys to success here. If, sure, sure, sure. So of course I'm going to say this: run the damn ball. Go ahead. Yeah, you already know it's going to happen. Run the damn ball. We've been giving up on the run for for so long. You know, there's one game that we actually stayed with running the ball and we actually won the game we need to run the ball we need to keep those that that defense playing the guessing game you know fred warner he's going to be all over the ball fred is going to be everywhere joey bosa's or sorry nick bosa is going to be trying to get to joe burrow every single snap they had zero sacks against the vikings we have a great offensive a, a, a great offensive line i believe yeah, we have, you know, plus or minuses every once in a while. If we can protect Joe Burrow on Sunday, if we can create holes for Joe Mixon to run the football, I think we have a very good chance of winning on Sunday against the 49ers. And the defense-wise, stopping the run, we have – to stop CMC, got to get him in the back. You know, we're, I think, 29th in run defense. Um, in pass defense, against screens and stuff like that, we're in the top 10. We're, we're you know, we're, we're playing really well against those screens. And, of course, you're going to see CMC get those screens, those quick passes mm-hmm. out on the outsides. <laughs> if we can continue to do that, great. We also need to protect the middle of the field, the seams. Tight ends have been our... Pandora's box, I'll say. The tight end, the, the tight ends are just killing us. We're playing against one of the best tight ends in the game right now. We have to keep him at bay. They have to either put a big guy up against him, you know, one of our uh, DJ Turner, somebody to man George Kittle and prevent him from busting loose and take and take, you know, getting 100 plus yards on us. Um, like I said, run defense, protecting Joe Burrow. Quick passes, um, cr- play creativity. They're going to be looking for Jamar Chase and and you know to get the ball. They're going to have to do some mixing up and you know put him on the slot X Y Z, um, put him in the backfield. Hopefully, we see some mix ups with uh, Joe Mixon because Joe Mixon's been on the field for seventy five percent of snaps. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we see yeah. you know maybe we see Chase Brown out there this Sunday and getting a little bit more play. Maybe you know hopefully that happens. Um, but my score prediction for this Sunday's game is 24 to 21 Bengals. 24 21. I like that score. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, it could be a different game. You know, Sam Darnold actually played fairly well during the preseason. He he actually did look really he well. He did. He really did. Yeah. Um, hence the reason why they let Trey Trey uh what's his name? Trey Lance, they're, they trade him to the Cowboys. Trey Lance. Yeah. yeah, they sent him to the Cowboys because they're like, well, we got Sam Darnold. And and I'm not going to – Sam Darnold, he is night and day. He's hit and miss. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen him play good games when he was in Carolina. He, he's actually played fairly well. Um, and then he's had games where he's just like, oh, what are you doing out there, kid? So regardless of who we're playing against, I think it's going to be a close game because CMC is on the field. Fred Warner's right. on the field. Hargrave's mm-hmm. on the field. You know, Nick Bosa's on the field. So it's not like, yeah, they have some guys that are going to be not playing or whatever. 
but I still think it's going to be a hell of a game. And it's going to be, like I said, 24-21 Bengals. I like that. And I like everything that you state there. And to be perfectly honest, when you brought up that they had registered zero sacks, I just thought it just really just popped in my head right then and there. Like, damn, I did watch that Monday night game, and they never got to Kirk Cousins. Like, there were a couple of times where they could have gotten to him, yeah. and, they, and I thought that they got to him, but, but he stepped he up in the pocket. Got him. Yep. He got he got he got the ball out too quick, and mm-hmm. or he was able just to play Harry Houdini and escape out of it for for some reason. And Kirk Cousins has never been mobile, right? And one thing I want to say is this is the reason why I want to say protect the middle of the field is because two things: one is Kittle, two is if Brock Purdy's on the field, and I'm gonna assume. That that is the, the the offensive scheme of them throwing the ball down the middle of the field all the time. Two interceptions Brock Purdy threw on Monday night were in the middle of the field. Protecting the middle of the field is our number one is going to be our number one on pass defense. Yeah. Here's what I'll say too, and I'll go into my keys of the game and give my score prediction. Um, we also got to give game balls too. I didn't forget about that. Uh, but here's my keys of the game. And I'm not going to repeat everything you said because I absolutely 100%, actually 1,000% agree with you. I'll just make this point. The 49ers are one of the complete team's top three best rosters in all of football. Their guys are going to play like stars. I just expect that. But what you got to do to win this game, you got to not only match the physicality, but you gotta over you gotta be able to overcome their physicality with your mental toughness. And I believe we have the team to do that with. The Vikings on that Monday night game were very physical with the 49ers. They played mm-hmm. like they that game meant something to them. But the 49ers were also just as physically tough. They didn't just get rolled over or anything like that. They fought back. Again, there was a point where I thought that, yeah, even though the Vikings had a lead, it kind of felt like that the 49ers were just gonna come back and win. The Browns. The Browns showed their physical proudness against the 49ers. That's how they won. So my key to the game, you have a defense that has shown its physical proudness before. You got to do it again. And you got to do it better than you ever have done the last two games that you've played. You are finishing the the NFC West gauntlet. Okay. I'm going to use a little bit of a Pokemon reference for my anime fans out there. Because everybody loves Pokemon, especially the original 151 or 152, whatever it is. You went through Squirtle when you faced the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Damn, I know you're laughing, but <laughs> Squirtle is the first evolution evolved form of the of the tur- the turtle Pokemon. Squirtle, you went through Squirtle. Then when you played the Seattle Seahawks, the evolved form of Squirtle is War Turtle. You went through War Turtle, more stronger. And bigger and faster than Squirtle, which was the Cardinals. And even the Rams, I'll say, is kind of in that Squirtle War Turtle mix. Now you're facing Blastoise. This is the final evolved form mm-hmm. of the Squirtle evolution. They're strong. The 49ers have built what the Seahawks and the Cardinals and the Rams are trying to run. The 49ers have perfected that and do it very well in that division. They all similarly play very much alike. They mm-hmm. they have this weird synergy behind them where they're, they're they're always wanting to run the ball in very creative ways play physical tough defense you know that that's what the nfc west is about they have a lot of playmakers on so many different sides of the ball i know the cardinals in the rebuild mode but they were at one point a really tough team a couple years ago you know when they had a lot of names 
the Seattle Seahawks are really fast on defense and they do very creative, explosive runs. They have Kenneth Walker. Geno Smith is playing well. We overcame that. Now you got the 49ers who have I've already illustrated that they have elite level players on every level of their defense. And they have CMC, who we both respect on this episode, on this show. Like mm-hmm. we've given them all kinds of praise and credit. And as we mentioned, George Kittle, to me, is the best tight end in football. And he is he's playing like it, too. You know, again, no disrespect to Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews and any of those guys. We know you guys are all in that upper echelon elite tier of tight ends. We get that. But George Kittle is just that dude. And Mm -hmm. it's not going to be an easy walk in the park. But what you can do to win this game, you have to be physical. You got to be physical. Don't be trying these little gimmicks here and there. Kyle Shanahan is going to sniff that bad boy out. And then their defense is going to find ways to get it up, get it up, just eliminate your best strengths with their best strengths. We already mentioned Fred Warner is going to be all over these plays. He's just like Roquan Smith when it comes to speed, that sideline to sideline speed. But you just got to be able to stay one step ahead and be more physical about it. But I do think the Bengals win this game. And I think the Bengals win this game. I will go with the six point game, 26 to 20. I'll go with that. So before we wrap this show up, Tim, I want you to give me your game ball prediction of who you're going to give the game ball to, one offense and one defense. My offensive game ball goes to Joe Burrow. I believe Joe Burrow's going to go out there and actually uh, pass for 300 yards, uh, two, maybe three touchdowns. I, th- I think this is going to be the the turnaround for him. And I'm not saying that the 49ers, uh, the 49ers secondary is weak at all, not at all. But, you know, Kirk Cousins did just go out there and throw for 300 yards against him. So I'm going to give it to Joe Burrow. Um, my defensive game ball is going to go to Dax Hill. Dax Hill's going to get an interception, a sack, and two tackles for losses. And I really <laughs> wanted to go with Dax Hill, too, for my defensive game ball because I like that prediction. I am going to say Joe Burrow is my game ball prediction for offense. It's Joe Burrow. He's going to get that monkey off his back and beat the 49ers for Zach Taylor. This is also Zach Taylor's get right moment as a head coach to right the wrong of two years ago when he took the ball out of his hands. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to uh, Joe Burrow, too. No, uh, enough said on that. Defense, though, as I already illustrated, your star, their stars are going to probably play like stars. Trent Williams, mm-hmm. I know he's probably dealing with some issues of practicing and whatnot, but I expect Trent Williams to play. And if he plays, that means Trey Hendrickson, you got to be ready to play. And I yep. think that he will be ready to play because we're hearing all the conversation. And I'm going to keep on drumming, the, beating the drum of the Trey Henderson drum for being in the running for defensive player of the year. We're hearing Miles Garrett's name because he had a great game against the Colts, which, again, the Browns still should have lost. But we're not going to talk about yeah. that. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers with T.J. Watt, of course. We're hearing all these names about these other guys. But Trey Henderson, he's just still right there. And nobody's really wanting to give him on respect on a national level. So I'm going to keep I'm going to keep fighting for him and I'm going to pick him as my defensive game ball player for the week. I think he ends the day with a couple of sacks, one of them over Trent Williams if he does play. And I do think that there's a forced fumble going to be involved in there somewhere because that's his his patented thing. Now, he just chops you with the karate, chops you with that arm. He's a throwback defensive end and he gets the ball loose and Sam Hubbard recovers it. And that and then we go home happy, you know, so that's my offense and defensive game balls of the week. I'm with you on a Joe Burrow train, but we're now 
I think we're now getting ready to approach the hour mark of the episode here. Like I said, it's been one hell of an episode. It's been very fun chatting it up with you, Tim. I know our boy B-Dirt is out. He's enjoying vacation. Do you have any closing marks before we sign off for our fans today? All I got to say is, is, you know, people keep, keep your faith in the Bengals. Don't, don't give up on them. You know, like I said, I've been, I've been a Bengals fan since I was, since, since I was born. That was 1976. I've been through the seventies, the eighties, the great years in the eighties and let's go to the Super Bowl and losing the nineties. Goodness. The nineties, I wish were a blur, but they're not. (laughs) Don't give up on this team. This team, we, yeah, we have high expectations. We all have high expectations for our team. You know, we're all biased with our Cincinnati Bengals. We love them. There's times where we're, we hate them. But right now, we know what we have in stock. We know what we have. Don't give up on, on this team. Keep your head up. And they're going to either shock the world or, or they're just going to go out there and play the best they can. Like they always say, every, every news conference I – I see is, is they go out there and they're playing game game by game. You know, they're worried about this game. They're not worried about the next, um, you know, the next nine, next 10, whatever games. They're not worried about that. They're worried about this game right now. Uh, so don't give up on the Bengals. All I got to, you know, and, and after that, we'll see what happens. That's all we can do. We're, this is the NFL. NFL. This isn't college football. This isn't high school football. This is the NFL. You got, these guys are professionals. We have one of the best wide receivers in the game. We have one of the best damn quarterbacks in the game. You know, everybody dogging Joe Mixon. You know, Joe Mixon's not producing. No. Why don't you look – if, if you really know Bengals football, it's not Joe Joe Mixon's not producing. It's the Bengals aren't running the football. They're giving up on the run too early. A lot of these games we've seen him, and I've said it over and over again, he's had 40-plus yards in the first half. Second half, we go out there, we stop running the football. To see – Very frustrating. It is very frustrating, but to see our to see Joe Burrow be successful, we got to mix it up. We got to get we get we got to get 20, 20 plus rushing yards, or excuse me, 20, 20 plus carries, you know, in in a game. We can't just give up on the run, you know, just because we're playing from behind. We can't give up on the run because it's going to eventually open up the play action. Hopefully, we do see uh, Joe Burrow under center coming up you know maybe he's under center playing single back formations you know we don't know what's going to happen i'm just excited to see what comes after this bye weekend on sunday against the 49ers who day yes sir i'm with you you know just keep playing our brand of football we're a damn good team the 49ers are a damn great team so are we they're a big dog but so are we and I'm looking forward to this matchup. I can't wait to see how we progress after this, during this game and after this game. And thank you so much, Tim, for those clover mark. We'll end it on that note. And to all the listeners out there, thank you so much again for, you know, chiming in with us as we're running through the jungle. We'll be back next week, as we always are. And we'll just, we'll give you our post-game comments. We got our boy Chase Yance with the Cut to the Chase podcast. Don't forget, too, we also have our uh, pay dirt with B-Dirt you know, giving you some gambling advice. So that's mm-hmm. also a really fun episode as well, too. So, but for myself and Tim Lyons here, this has been Running Through the Jungle, and we will see you next week. Uh-huh.